Alright, what's up, what's up my people? This is your man L. Jamal coming back for another edition of Never Out of Bounds. This is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. We got quite a bit to talk about on this Friday night. A lot of stuff to uh, touch back on and go over. A lot of stuff has occurred over the week. So let's get right into it, starting with the war on the street like we always do at this time. And on Wednesday... Uh, we had another fatal shooting. Uh, this is this happened again in Southern California. This time at a bar and grill in the town of uh, Thousand Oaks. For those of you who are unaware about that, uh, but this is getting relatively mainstream news. So unless you're under a rock or not really trying to deal with it, you pretty much heard about this but um former marine ian david long he was 28 years old he shot and killed 12 people like i said at the bar and grill uh and it was in thousand oaks again like i said he was armed with a glock handgun with an extended mag there's a pattern here i keep seeing these guys and these i think there was one situation with a female this being in maryland uh over the summertime uh, they keep using a glock handgun i don't know what it is what it's about whether or not it's to, it must be the easiest gun to maintain or to obtain excuse me for these crazy people i'm not too sure what it is uh, but they keep coming in contact with these glocks tell me show me the way uh, obviously uh, it's been stated now that this guy has had uh, issues with postpartum uh, not part of uh, postmortem depression but actually post-trauma uh, PTSD so we're talking about an uh, Afghanistan Afghanistan excuse me war vet and he's dealing with these psychological issues again I'm asking how are these people uh, getting weapons if we, you know, if we have these background checks, why is it that, you know, this keeps happening? Now, again, I'm not for the taking away of guns. And I think that's what the conservatives and the right wing continuously, I think, miss where the, where they continually, continuously mislead the people. I think they get the, the liberal, uh, at least the government side of it, their their notion of it. You know, misconstrued and they keep misconstruing that to the people i think what it is what we're looking for is a you know you a unique system that's different than what we've had that's comprehensive across the board meaning you know your white guy your black guy your mexican guy your indian american your citizens that are, you know, that been already been vetted, that's already been through these processes, already been through gun training, because that's what I think should be involved in purchasing a weapon. Why buy a weapon if you, a, you don't know how to use it? This guy already had military training. That's a little bit different. But again, if he's already, you know, shown a pattern of psychological issues, which is now what everybody is starting to report then I think that needs to be a red flag as well. Why would that not be a red flag? I mean, it's easy. It's easy to look at somebody's background. Oh, you have a felony. Well, maybe we shouldn't give you a gun, depending on maybe depending on what it was. Uh, if they have any type of mental illness, any type of violent crime, I'm sorry, I wouldn't want to give that person a gun. I could see why they would do that. And I think if you actually did those background checks, you would see that you wouldn't have these problems. Uh, but I think you know certain people are given certain clearances. I 
this guy obviously had a military clearance, a military background, so that made it easier for him to obtain these weapons. Uh, you're hearing about these kids bringing these assault rifles to school. I think a lot of that is, you know, of course, they're not necessarily buying weapons, but of course their parents and the people around them have access to these weapons. So it's a very slippery slope. But I think if people really got, if really, you know, people, you know, set, well, if the NRA, because that's who controls guns. If they were to step aside and stop worrying about profits and worrying about actual safety, I think they would find a way to really vet people if they truly wanted to. It's not that difficult. I mean, there's no way there's no way that we cannot find out in this modern day and age whether or not somebody has a felony or not. Or, you know, find out ways that would discriminate them from getting a, a gun. They do not have, you know, there would you would be able to you should be able to find that information out in you know in that type of setting i'm sorry and i don't think i don't think the gun industry is trying i think they're okay with people being armed because again it's profits and um you know they're, you're gonna hear this you know you're always gonna continuously hear this you know the the narrative and this is a narrative in my opinion the narrative of the you know, liberal and then conservative friction between this issue. And of course, they're going to be talking to their constituents about this. And I believe that both sides, you know, they're misconstruing each other. They don't, they, they're misunderstanding each other. I get it. I think people do need to be armed, but not everyone needs to be armed. And I think we need to be doing a, a real effort of making sure we're vetting. We're doing a process of vetting these people that are purchasing these weapons and also curbing people that don't, unfortunately. That's just the way that it is. Not everyone needs to have a weapon in this country. And, and I think we have the capabilities and with all the information that they've gotten, that they've received and know about us through the Patriot Act and through us and then through Bush selling our private information uh, to third parties, then they should know who's the crazy among us. I'm sorry. They, they know too much about us for, for them to be still trying to let us get away with stupid stuff. Come on now. You knew the guy had issues. He shouldn't have had guns. That's where somebody needs to address. That's the issue that we need to address. It's not about taking guns away. It's not about that. It's not about just making people killers. Stop with the with the argument. Leave the argument alone. Let's let's talk about the facts. The fact is the guy should not be having guns. And people that have mental issues, regardless of class, regardless of where they're at in life, regardless of race, should not be having handguns. Or any type of guns. Okay, I'm gonna move on from that. Uh, let's talk about these election results. Of course, we had election. We had our midterm elections throughout our our country earlier this week. Uh, we have some of the. I have the some of the results now. Of course, we've gone over it. Uh, of course, mainstream news and other news outlets have gone over it. Uh, but let's. Let's uh let's talk about it tonight. Let's talk a little bit more about it tonight. Of course, uh, the Democrats picked up 30 seats in the House of uh, Representatives, uh, basically gaining back control of that. This was expected. Uh, the Republicans actually increased their hold on the Senate. Uh, they they still control the Senate. That was also pretty much predicted as well. Uh, the Dems, the Democrats currently have 225 seats compared to just 200 for the Republicans. So it's not necessarily a huge margin, but of course, it's a it's a majority nonetheless in terms of the of uh, excuse me the House representatives. Uh, there are 11 races left, and most of them are in California. And these are very close races. And when I mean close, these are races that are between one and two percentage points between 
with each other. For example, in New Jersey, we got Democrat Andrew Kim uh, going up against Republican Tom MacArthur. He's currently at 49.8%. We're talking Andrew Kim here. Uh, on top, he's currently up 49.8 compared to 48.9 so that's a very slim margin uh, we also have a close race in california uh democratic nominee harley rauda is a 51 point uh 51 uh, percent uh up against uh dana rara backer and this is and she's only a, uh, she's down just 49 percent. so 51 percent to 49 percent. so these are close very close margins. Uh, Republicans, like I said, they hold 51 Senate seats while the Democrats hold 46. So the uh, Democrats did pick up some seats there again, but they do not have that majority. Uh, Arizona and Mississippi are currently undecided, and Mississippi will be having a runoff. It was so close. They will be having a runoff on November 27th. There also was some drama in Georgia. Uh, Ms. Stacey Abrams, uh, she uh, eventually conceded that race. It's a very close race. It was against Brian Kemp. Uh, now, there was some, like I said, there was some drama about that. Uh, there was a story that I did come across. Now, I'm I'm not going to go too deep into that because, again, um, I don't, you know, not to say that it's not real or not, or, you know, not true or anything like that. I don't want to get into fake news or anything like that. I just think, again, you know, it was too close of a race regardless, and Georgia has always been a red state for the most part. So it's gonna, it was going to be hard for a minority woman, or let's just say like it is a black woman, black Democrat for that matter, black Democratic woman for that matter, when in that state. Uh, she did have a great campaign, but unfortunately, uh, she, you know, she conceded a little bit too early. Uh, there was some evidence to prove that with the un some of the votes that are coming in, they could have pushed at least a runoff. Again, the Democrats have this issue. Hillary did this as well. They kind of waited too soon uh, to pull the plug on their campaigns, but this is this is uh this is how it is. And um, Brian Kemp, he's going to be he's at this point uh, transitioning into governorship of uh, the state of Georgia. And the last big news here is coming out of Arizona. 81% of precincts reported there. And so there's, their votes are still being counted at the moment. Uh, and they they have pretty much the tightest race right now. And this was one of those swing states that they were talking about uh, to begin everything with. So uh, their Democratic uh, nominee, Kirsten C. Cinema, uh, actually, excuse me, is up 48.9% on Republican candidates. Candidate Martha McSally, who has 48.8%. So it's really close. Uh, you know, these and these are still Senate and House seats. So, you know, I think the Democratic uh the Democratic lead could be pushed in terms of the House of Representatives, and they could even close the gap just a little bit in the Senate. And that's just, and it will be even more. Uh, and I think what we have now, with you know the Democrats in control of the con with with, with uh, the House of Representatives, and pretty much. Um, the Republicans in control of the Senate, you're still going to have that, you know, those opposites. So it's going to be friction. Of course, Trump is not going to be able to just run around and, 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 you know, have his little iron fist out there. And you can already see where it's affecting him because that's going to segue me into my last little bit here for the word on the street is 
And I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys, some of you guys may know about this, but our attorney general, well, he was our attorney general, uh, Jeff Sessions was, uh, well, basically he uh, put in his resignation, he resigned, but pretty much we know that means he was fired. And this occurred about uh, about Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, excuse me. And uh, who's going to be taking over? Good question. That will be his top official Matthew Whitaker. Now he's going to reserve. Uh, he's going to be serving, excuse me, as a replacement, as a, uh, well, basically as interim uh, attorney general until there is a replacement found. However, there is word circling around that he's pretty much going to be the guy. He's a Trump guy. He's somebody that Trump likes, and he's going to definitely uh, be. I would say in the running for that job. Now Whitaker will over also oversee Trump and Trump's involvement in Russia in 2016. Uh, basically, he will be Mueller's Mueller's boss at the, at this point. And uh, this is a really weird connection. Uh, let's just tell you. Let's just talk about this connection real quick. And I think it's very important. There's somebody that Whitaker and Trump have in common. They have they share a mutual friend by the name of Sam Clovis. Now, Sam Clovis has become a witness in this case, in the Russian collusion case, right? Now, not only that, Whitaker served as a campaign chairman for Clovis when he ran for treasurer of Iowa. Hello. I just, you know. And then also, Clovis went on to be a campaign advisor for Trump. You see what I'm going here? Buddies, I don't see, and don't get me wrong, hey, you know, again, that's weird to me. If I never, if if I never seen collusion, I mean, uh, I mean, you talk about Colin Kaepernick collusion, I mean, talking about collusion. With the NFL teams, this is collusion in front of your face, and I think you guys are kind of blind to it. Just gonna outright say it. Uh, I, I'm sorry. There's too many connections between these people. This smells rotten. The main reason that these uh, tr- sessions and Trump had drama was because you know Sessions wanted to remove himself from the special investigation. Investigation, and this was based on uh, what the ethics department told him. So this ought to tell you something about what's going on with this case. But I can see it now. He put his buddy in there. See, that's 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 our president. But there's already been a person convicted of crimes here. Again, nobody was convicted of Benghazi. And I keep hearing on the white, the right wing, you know, sites and because trust me, I mean, I, I, I have to do my research. I have to know what the other sides are talking about. Each side, you know, Green Party, Peace and Freedom Party, Libertarians, Democrats. I got to learn about these things. I mean, I can't just sit here and just talk stuff to you guys. So, you know, the main thing is what they're saying, which is, you know, what they've been pushing this whole time is Hillary should be locked up. Obama should be locked up too for all these different crimes. And they could be or not. That's whatever. I'm not the legal people here. And the cold part is the legal people got Charles in trouble. So again, I don't trust these guys. You can say what you want. 
could talk about whatever economy because if we're getting a two percent tax cut i don't feel where the economy is booming see this is the thing we think because these rich corporations got money and they giving us these little jobs and this little fifteen dollars an hour that's supposed to be an achievement that's that's not that's nothing obviously we're still in debt all these states are in debt. People are in poverty at higher rates than they've ever been. People can't even pay their rent. I've said this multiple times on this show. Let's not get into that. How the f- how, What difference does it make if the is the economy really booming in that regard? I don't get it. We say the economy's booming, but we at the same time we acknowledge we live in poverty and California sucks and the rent is high. At the same time, this is crazy because we will sit there and complain about how the rent is high and then vote no on Prop 10 anyways. And then vote not to repeal the gas tax. Maybe people was confused about it. And then we want to sit there and say, oh, we pay the most and we pay this and we pay that. I guess y'all like to pay. I think that's the American way. I think the more you, the more money you spend, forget just making money in this country. No, spend your money. The more money you spend, the more American you must be. I, my friends, can't adhere to that. I don't like it. That seems excessive. That seems exceptionalist. And you know what? Quite frankly, with the state, some of these, with for a play on words, with the state that some of these states are in. It's frankly irresponsible. So with that note, guys, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into our sports segments. I'm going to come back with you with some NFL news, guys. Right back at you. Peace. Mm-hmm. Y'all know what it is. How to switch it up on y'all. It's your boy. Let's get right into it. Let's talk some NFL like I said I was. And I got three takeaways from week nine, okay? Let's get right into it with it. The Redskins need a spark offensively. They're five and three in the NFC East. That makes it still makes them first. The thing about it is, they really don't have the offense, and it, you know it hurts me because I've talked about this team. I've talked about their division a lot this this uh, this season. And the reason being is because I wanted to give this team a division for so many different years. One year I think I've had Philly winning it. I don't think it was last year, that the year they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Actually, it was last year. Uh, but I know I, I've been wrong about them before. I've been wrong about the Giants most definitely. And I've been wrong about the Redskins uh, recently too. But I've been really into trying to into seeing that team win something for 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 the time being you know for 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 just you know for something you know and i know i got family out there and all that but that's just another you know you just you know you i mean when you study football you learn about different teams you know you learn to respect a little bit of everybody and that's just one of the teams that i've always just liked watching and just had a little room interest for anyways but um currently they're 25th in offense now they're missing two key offensive linemen they're missing two of the veterans one is uh their tackle trent williams who's out with a thumb injury this weekend and they're also missing morgan moses who's out with a knee injury and this is coming from a team that's had numerous injuries you know who they got to roll with that running back 
the old legend, but we know he's the old horse. That's that's the thing. He's a legend, but he's an old horse right now. We talking about AP, Adrian Peterson, and you know they got Alex Smith, the old. I would call him Cap Rooney. You know what I'm saying? He moves a little bit better, but he's still the Cap Rooney. You know, and um, you know maybe hopefully they can get a demi a, a, a steaming Willie Beeman at one point. Uh, it's cold because they they drafted a solid running back out of LSU this year, Darius Geist, and he went down on IR, so he he wasn't able to get any burn. Uh, so they're really thin at the running back position, so they really don't have any balance either. And um, one of their receivers, Dunbar, is starting to step up a little bit. I've read a, a little. Uh, article about him trying to get his game together and not really missing a whole lot of plays and really you know making a good effort to catch but outside of him I know Josh Doxson he's had trouble and you can't really think of any real you know real help they have at receiver but they have a solid defense and I think their defense with the exception of a couple games and if you think about it the, lo- the losses that they do have mind you they just have three uh one of them they lost I know for a fact uh they lost to hmm I know who whoever they lost to had a solid potent offense. It was the Saints. That was there. That I, I I didn't want to really talk about the the recent loss too much, uh. But I wanted to talk about that Saints loss. The Saints were one of the hot hottest off or one of the hottest offenses. We know what the Saints can do. So I. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to give them a pass, but again, to be five and three where they're at and where they're at right now, I still think this is the team with the way the Cowboys are playing, with the way a lot of teams are, are on the fence in the NFC. And I think they're really on the fence, to be honest with you, because a lot of them aren't really that good, but they have certain things propping them up. And I think the defense and their in their and their I think their, you know, their experience that they have at the quarterback position with Alex Smith just might be enough if their receivers can come along. They might need to make a trade at some point. I thought the high high uh, Clinton Dix pickup was nice. Of course, oh, they did play against the Falcons, who are a, and you know, the cool thing about the Falcons is, you know, they've had their ups and downs too, but they have a solid offense. They have a lot of good players offensively. So, I mean, it's. It's inevitable they they have a breakout game. So, you know, maybe they can turn their season around. I don't know. And that's one of those teams that I'm talking about on the fence. So, I think the Redskins still have a solid chance. It just looks ugly. It just looks ugly. But they will be uh, playing the Buccaneers this weekend. And that should be an easy game for them. Buccaneers are in flux. And uh, I'm going to talk about them a a little bit later. So, let's move on to my second takeaway. And... Jason Garrett sucks. Okay, he's three and five this year. He's only had one playoff win. He's his offense is is currently twenty six, nineteen point nineteen point two points a game. We don't need to really talk about that, really. And the reason why I'm not gonna really get on that too harsh is because those are personnel decisions made by their front office. I'm not saying that Des shouldn't have been moved. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna defend that move. I'm not gonna. Well, I'm not gonna talk too much. Talk, talk down against that move too much. Uh, with being that we know about Dez and everything that transpired and just how his numbers fell off. But 
in terms of who they added in terms of their personnel to or in terms of who they added in their coaching staff that was jason garrett and jerry jones oversaw that they knew exactly what they were doing jason garrett was ineffective when tony romo was there and he, tony romo was their best shot at quarterback to do anything significant in the past 25 years that ought to tell you something and you know what you know what maybe dad might have been rushing to the fray a little bit early you know because Tony Romo's injuries maybe he and I think that might have been the issue I think he could have done a little bit better by sitting behind someone but Tony Romo is injury prone he was not that great of a quarterback his damn self there's a lot of overratedness about the Dallas Cowboys and it starts with Jason Garrett and it starts with his ugly smile okay that that just smug just yeah I, I got this every no you don't dude you and your owner. I'm really starting to think that Jerry Jones, I've been hearing it. I've been saying this myself. Now that now the, the, the big time sports guys, they starting to say it too. So they, of course, they get all the credit. But I've been saying this since at least 10th, 11th grade high school. Jerry Jones is the Al Davis of the NFC. I, I've been saying this for years. I might be crazy. You might not want to believe that. But he is the Al Davis of the NFC. And that team is like, and it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to just bash because I like Ezekiel Elliott and I like the, some of the things that they've been able to do. But you got to win playoff games. You can't win playoff games. Three and five, you're in a position where you can't even might not even be able to get to the playoffs and look at who the leader in your division is. DC, I was just talking about them. The Redskins. There's no excuse. And I'm not going to get on Dak Prescott's head because, again, I think these are coaching, play schemes, schematical errors. Jason Garrett and his smile needs to get out of Dallas. And I will take Chucky for right now because I already know what Chucky is doing. At least we already know Chucky got time. We know what he's building to. We This is the first year. It's, it might fall all bad, but we know he's going to, He's. I think, I believe he can resurrect that. We've already seen Jason Garrett for a long time in Dallas. For a long time in Dallas. He hasn't done nothing but smile and appease Jerry Jones. You don't need that, Jerry. You don't need a yes man. You don't need that anymore. Jimmy was your best coach. You want to know why? Because he was a maverick. He didn't take no shit. He wasn't an ass kisser. He did his own thing. That's what made John Gruden right with the Raiders the first time. Let him do his thing. I am a Raiders fan. He is leaving Oakland. I am a Raiders fan. Get it right. You notice I didn't put a city on that. Because guess what? They moved. So I'm a Raider fan. I know Al is getting the Raiders right for El Las Vegas for the future. I'm a Raider fan. I'm in it for the future because I'm a fan of the team. I knew that they were a moving team. Okay. But this right here is a situation where they think that they're high on the hog, but they really not. And until they make some changes, they're going to be stuck in the same situation. Who, why would they just get Alex Hearns in the offseason knowing damn what they was going to let go of Des Bryant? Think about it. And Jason wouldn't retire. You had, you had available receivers in the draft. Stop it. Stop.
stop making excuses, y'all. Just like New York and Eli, let them people go and move. Cut ties. Learn to cut ties. And I wasn't gonna have three points, but well, let's just talk about it. Dez is he hurt his Achilles. I was gonna say that was a smart move on the Saints part, but Dez got an injury, so he messed up his Achilles, so he out. He out, y'all. So I'm just gonna move on to my three questions for week ten. Starting with this one. Who leaves Tampa Bay first? Dirt Cutter or Jameis Winston? I know. I know. I know what you're thinking. Dirt Cutter. I think they do them like they did Cleveland. At the end of the season, they both can go. That's what I would love to see. Both of these guys are trash. And one thing I wanted to touch upon, uh, one thing about J- uh, Jameis Winston I wanted to touch upon is this other narrative, too. That, uh, well... I was watching uh, the Rich Eisen show earlier today, and uh, he started talking about Mariota, Marcus Mariota of Tennessee, and your boy Jameis. And now, of course, unless, I mean, of course, uh, for all of you guys who don't know, these guys were joined at the hip. I believe they were one and two in the draft. Jameis Winston went first, Mariota went second. Now, these guys go back uh, to the college days. Of course, they were already comparing them. Like I said, they went first and second in the draft, of course. And, um, you know, there was always a comparison of who's better, who should go first. Now, of course, in the beginning, a lot of people said Jameis. Uh, a lot of people said that he was more pro-ready. He played in a more pro-style offense, so on and so forth. They had a lot of stuff to say about Marcus Mariota. Now, of course, a lot of that, because he came from a school like Oregon, where they run like a, you know, you know, like a read option as opposed to, as opposed to just going straight into the center, you know, running the ball, you know, a lot, of, like I said, pro style, you know, of course. And um, to be honest, I didn't really buy that argument then. I always thought that Marcus Mariota might needed to might might have needed to develop, you know, a, you know, the, the rapport with NFL players and get that type of mentality and also work on his actual mechanics i think those two things he needed i think he was already a winner i think he was already marketable i think he already you know was a great football player he was a great athlete i think he could stretch the ball down the field with his arm like i said he might not have been accurate but he could throw the ball at least and also he can throw on the run, which I think were are important in this game with, you know, defensive lines that, you know, can pressure you and get in your face all day. And I think that is important. And I and I saw the game that those guys played, you know, against each other. And this is why I keep telling people, you know, if you are you if you're really into your pro sports, whether it be your NBA, whether it be MLB or even the NBA, you know, the NFL, NBA, either one. Watch the college game every now and again because you're going to see where these future stars and busts are coming from. Now, I saw Marcus Mariota and I saw Jameis Winston go at each other in the Rose Bowl. I think it was 20. This had to be 2015, 2014, something like that. Maybe a little bit earlier than that. And in that game. Now, this year, Oregon will go on to that national championship game. This is all, mind you, Oregon will go on and, and, and go on to that national championship game and get blown out themselves by Ohio State. But in this Rose Bowl game, which was a semifinal of the first college football playoff, Oregon whooped 
the living dog shit out of Jameis Winston. Marcus Mariota couldn't be stopped. He was all over the place. And Jameis Winston was turning the ball over like he's doing now. That's why I went into that's why I was going into the draft. Like, why are these people even saying this? I saw the I saw the game. Mariota is not your ideal. Of course, he's, you know, not your prototype quarterback. Of course, he's gonna need work. But again, he gets the job done and he can get better. You can see that he's getting better. You can see that he's getting better. Don't tell me that you can't see that. James Winston, he's been getting significantly worse. He has the most turnovers in the league. This was the guy coming from the guy that was supposed to be the most pro-ready. He's done right along with his coach. I'll answer that one now. Question two. Where could Le'Veon Bell play next season? Because I don't think he's going to be a Steeler. Oakland? Maybe. Denver, maybe. A lot of teams that need a running back. A lot of teams that need a running back. Be interesting to see where he lands because, again, I do not see him being with the Steelers at this point in time, especially since James Conner has come along so well. All right. Now, my final question is who is this year's MVP? Now, currently, my top three is Drew Brees. This guy has never won an MP3, but he's currently second in QBR. Uh, he has 2,336 yards. And he has an 18-1 touchdown to uh, interception ratio. Now, I like Drew Brees because him and his team, they have the same record as the Rams. But guess who, guess who the Saints took out? Guess who the Rams lost came to? Ah, the Saints. Exactly. They are legend killers. I think Drew Brees has the experience to get it done, and I think it will show when it comes down to winning the divisions and it will, when it comes down to gaining first place in the playoffs and stuff like that, and also winning, winning in the playoffs. Pay, uh, Drew Brees is the most capable of doing so. So he is my current favorite. At two, I got Pat Mahomes. He's first in touchdowns and yards, first in QBRs, QBR, and he currently has an 81 record, which is really significant for a guy that's his first year starting. Of course, he's not a rookie, but this is his first year starting. So definitely, you know, having a great first year, i just not the type to give a rookie a MVP. Now, if he blows my mind away and just remains, if he finishes the season 15-1 or maybe 14-2, I would be I would be uh, tempted to give it to him, but I would definitely give him rookie of the year without, well, he can't be rookie of the year. Never mind. Offensive player of the year, <laughs> without a doubt. And third, we have Ty Gurley. He is a league leader, leader in rushing, excuse me, with 868 yards, and he currently leads the league in touchdowns as well with 12. I think with the way that L.A. is playing, he's a significant factor. Uh, his profile is just going to keep growing. Again, he you know, he's not he's not going to get the ooh-ah moments I think that Mahomes and Breeze get uh, because of what their position entails. But if he's able to be dynamic and actually get some all-purpose yards, going to be one of those backs too. Um, I think he can he can sneak in there maybe, you know, possibility. Uh, again, if his, if his team stays successful too, I think we would have an interesting situation come voting time. Now, finally, let's wrap this all up. I got my top seven power rankings. Uh, let's get right into it. At seven, I got the Texans. They are at six and three right now. I think they've totally 
uh, resurge. They're in a winnable division. Uh, again, if they lose this division, I would fire Bill O'Brien. But it looks like they're going to get it done. The Colts, I mean, Andrew Luck, he, we're starting to see what he has from next season. But again, they're not really any competition. Uh, again, you also have the Titans. I don't think the Titans are consistent enough at this point. And, um, yeah, Jacksonville completely falling apart. So, yeah, moving on. Six, we have Pittsburgh. They are 6-2-1. and one. Uh, I wanted to wait until the vic- until the winner of that uh, Thursday night game. And, of course, I will be talking about that in just a second. I thought I was going to wrap this up, but actually I wanted to go with this Thursday night football as well. But, anyways, um, you know, Pittsburgh had a great game last night. Uh, they went out. Beat on, beat on Carolina 52-21. And, again, like I said, they're surging. I didn't really want to, you know, and, again, I didn't want to say this, but they're, they're in position to, to really cause some trouble, especially if they're able to bring Le'Veon Bell back in the fold, if they are. At five, I got the Chargers there at 6-2. Again, they're looking really strong in the AFC West. They have uh, they got to still play the Chiefs one more time, so – you don't know how that could end up. We got the Pats at four. They're sitting at seven and two. Again, they've come, you know, they were sitting at, I think, one and two at one point in the season. Now they're, you know, they won six in a row. Again, they're uh, number one in offense uh, the past three or four weeks, number one in defense as well. But in that same amount of time, they're cruising. They're cruising. I think they sweep. Uh, they pretty much went out. I think they could pretty much win out. They had the potential potential to win out. They're winning that division hands down. At three, we have the Rams. And I put them here because they've taken the L. The other two, of course, they've, you know, they they have the same record, but they won last week. Uh the Rams, they still look pretty good. Uh they've been, you know, they've been playing these close games recently. Uh they did, you know, they couldn't get it done against the Saints. Uh but again, I think they have just enough of an edge again to be, still be in the top three. Uh they they are playing the Seahawks again though. Uh this will be a close this might be a close game. And if they're not paying attention, this could be an ups, another upset as well. So I will say that. At two, we have the Chiefs. They're sitting at eight and one again. Offensively they're looking great. Defensively they're looking trash, but again, their offense is carrying them. I don't think it lasts forever, though. But for now, they're at two. And at one, we have the Saints. Like I said, they're the legend killers for this week. I got to give it to them. They took out the best team in the league. They're 7-1. and one. I like Drew Brees. Of course, he's my MVP at this point in time. And, uh, yeah, let's get into some Thursday Night Football, like I said. And it was a big-time beating uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like I said, it was 52-21. to 21. Uh, Panthers moved down to 6-3. Like I said, the Steelers are at 6-2 with the tie. 6-2 with the tie. Let's get into the stats. As far as passing goes, Cam Newton had went 23-39, 193 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. So not necessarily a bad game from him, but, of course, he had that interception there. So that doesn't help. Uh, in terms of rushing, we have Christian McCastrily. Christian McCaffrey, excuse me, leading the way, 77 yards, touchdown. He also had two uh, two receiving touchdowns to add to that. And also, uh, Greg Olson caught, uh, well, got 40 yards worth. And on terms of defense, Eric, Eric Reed led the way. He had nine total tackles, but he was ejected in the third quarter after an unnecessary roughness call. He laid a a late hit to Big uh, Big Ben, and he also claims he was drug tested by the league after the game. This would be his fifth time this season that has happened to him. So, 
Uh, that's some weird stuff if it's true. Now, also in terms of the Steelers, uh, Big Ben he went 22 of 25, really crisp passing. I thought he played really well. 328 yards, five touchdowns. James Conner also uh, had 65 yards and a touchdown on the ground. In terms of receiving, Antonio Brown led the way. He had 96 yards and a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster comes up with 90 yards on just three catches. He also had a touchdown. Vance McDonald, the tight end, running back Jalen Samuels, and another tight end, Jesse James, all catch touchdowns. Ben Roethlisberger was handing them out like hotcakes. And on defense, John Bostic led the way with 10 total tackles. Again, I think the Steelers are in the driver's seat. I hate to admit it. I talked some shit about them earlier this year. I will eat crow on that. So on that note, y'all, I'm going to take another quick break. And we're going to just go over some uh, brief MLB free agency stuff, some free agency signings real quick. And we're going to wrap everything up with some NBA news, too. We're going to talk some Lakers. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get into it. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. So we're going to wrap this up for tonight. Now, like I said, we're going to get into some MLB free agency real quick. And uh, C.C. Sabathia signed a one-year deal with the Yankees worth $8 mil. Currently uh, 38 years old. He had a 9-7 record last year with a 3.65 ERA. Decent numbers on both ends of that spectrum. And also, he was a six-time All-Star. So, he's looking to wrap his career up. Maybe get uh, one last title push. Uh, we all know that's Vallejo's own Bay Area stand-up. Salute your boy. Doing his thing for so long. I think he's played for about 16 years. It goes back to the Brewers as well. I don't think he was on any Cali squads, though. I don't even think uh, down south either. I can't even say he played for the Angels or those guys. But uh, definitely a great pitcher. Of course, with age, you know, you wear down a little bit. But when he was at his prime, he's one of the best pitchers of all time. So, well, <laughs> of that era at least. One of the best of that time period. Uh, the Yankees, some other news with the Yankees. Uh, they're looking to sign one of their other pitchers, J.A. Happ. And they're looking also trade Sonny Gray. Stop poaching the A's. I wanted to add that there just for the, the Yankees. Stop poaching small markets, please. Thank you. Uh, David Fries, uh, we all know about him, the infielder for the Dodgers. He also signed a one-year deal with them. That was worth uh, 4.5 mil. Uh, he averaged uh, 388 uh, during the regular season, uh, but during the postseason, he was 364 with two home runs. He also hit 60 RBI, so pretty decent numbers. He can definitely hit. He's a good power hitter. Uh, he Definitely got some home runs during the Cardinals War Series run. So he's a he's always been a good power hitter. I'm glad the uh, I'm glad the Dodgers made a smart move. And uh, we still got some other notable. These are the most notable free agents still left there on the market. Uh, of course, we have Manny Machado, the third baseman. Uh, now he's currently a free agent. Uh, now. He could be re-signed by the Dodgers, of course, but he's also getting interest from the Yankees, Phillies, and also the Chicago White Sox, as well as the Marlins. Bryce Harper, the, the big-time outfielder for the Nationals, he's his contract is up as well. He's getting interest from the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and the Phillies. Now, imagine if the Dodgers, because I know they have deep pockets, imagine if they was able to get Bryce Harper and was able to get Manny Machado to come back. 
that'd be sick. Uh, Patrick Corbin, uh, pr- a good, decent pitcher out there. He's also hitting free agency. Uh, now, he uh, currently plays for the Diamondbacks, so they'll be looking to retain his services. Uh, but also, the Mariners are expressing interest. Guess what? The Dodgers as well, and also the Yankees. And finally, we got Michael Brantley, another good off uh, offensive outfielder. He plays some defense as well. Uh, now, he currently plays for the Indians, but he's also getting interest from the Mariners, the Yankees, as well as the Giants. So, uh, as that you know comes along, I will be notifying you of that stuff because these players, I need to know. I need to know where Bryce where Bryce goes because I've I said it. I've heard a lot of pe- other people say it. We're not really you know and believe that he's gonna stay at a national next year. I don't think anybody that I've come across thinks he's going to stay a national. So it'll be interesting to see where he finally goes. It will blow my mind if he stayed in D.C., though. But uh, let's move on to the NBA. And like I said, let's, let's talk about the Lakers real quick. You know, uh, we all know about LeBron coming there in the offfield. We don't really need to get into that. We already know. Uh, but currently, you know, we are getting in, you know, to the almost the middle of the second month, month of the season. And... Uh, they're currently fit, uh, five and six, tenth in the Western Conference. Now I know we've been trying, you know, we've been hoping for a turnaround a lot. Well, I know the fans. Me personally, I'm a LeBron fan, not necessarily a Laker fan. My favorite team is the Trailblazers. Now, their last game was a win against uh, the T Wolves, one ten one one fourteen. This was on Wednesday. Uh, LeBron did his thing. He was close to a triple double, twenty four points, ten rebounds, also nine assists. Kuzma had twenty one points as well. Brandon Ingram, Ingram, excuse me, also helped out with twenty points. Uh, in terms of the guard situation, because we know about their controversy, uh, Rondo had two points and ten assists, and Lonzo had three points and six assists. Now. The Lakers lost five of their first seven games, but they won three of the last four. Uh, apparently, Luke Walton had a meeting with Magic Johnson, and, uh, you know, of course, he had to magically turn things around. Funny how that works when your job may be on the line. I think they're going a little bit too far on Luke. Uh, I think he's a solid coach. I just think the Western Conference is a really good conference. Uh, they only won 35 games last year. They were projected to get 48. That, of course, put them out of the playoff picture, you know, and um, I think eventually they'll get it together. Uh, It might be around sometime, maybe the middle of next month or even January, it might start to click and it might not even really get great. Well, really good until maybe even February, March, until they hit their their group and it might be too late. Uh, to really get that solid playoff spot. Just looking at who the top three teams are in the West, we have the, the Warriors, of course. We have the Nuggets, of course. And we have the Blazers. Now, you know, the Blazers, they were, they've were they been a playoff team the past couple of years. Uh, the Nuggets, of course, are, you know, a, a surprising team, but they do have a deep and a good roster. And we already know what the Warriors have. I don't think the war the, the Lakers are on the level of these three four teams. We already know about four and five. We already know about the Spurs. Uh, now the bottom three, we got the Clippers, the Kings. Sorry, the Grizzlies, the Clippers, and the Kings. Now, you know, it's so hard. 
it's so hard to gauge and to guess because you still have the Rockets out there. They have a capable. They 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 look like they have a capable roster. You know, they on paper. You know, maybe they can get Jamie Butler to come and help them out and turn things around. You hope. You know, well, you hope for the best for players like James Harden and CP3 to eventually turn around and help that team. So you, I, I would give them. You know, them getting their stuff together. The Kings could fall off. You know, the Lakers could, you know, get into that bottom stretch. But this is a team that I don't really see getting – I see them getting 41 wins. And that puts them, I would say, at this year, I think puts them at eight. I think they barely sneak into the playoffs. I think the Kings, of course, they, you know, they become the king. Well, I, I think they're a little bit better, but they just kind of missed the playoffs. Uh, the Clippers, they probably maintained somewhere around seven or six. The Grizzlies, they kind of fizz away. The Rockets come together. Uh, the T-Wolves kind of get their act straight. Actually, maybe not even them get, getting their act straight. You might even see the Jazz get their act straight just because of what they were able to do last year. And then you also see the Kings, like I said, become the Kings. But I don't see the Lakers getting more than 41 wins, and I, and I barely see them sneaking in, you know, the playoffs. This is not – I mean, of course, this is going to be a roster. Now, mind you, I've heard, you know, 47, 48 wins, 45 on the low end. I've heard some teams – some people, excuse me, some of these pundits, these sports guys even say up to 50. I don't see it. Not in this Western Conference. That that first night, that first game against the Blazers, that, that proved a lot to me. Uh, I don't think they can keep up with the best of the best. Now, of course, you know, there's a lot of people can say about Portland and teams like that and even maybe, you know, the Spurs. But I think Portland, you know, if anything, some of these teams might drop. Uh, but, again, not significantly far enough to, to for me to see Golden State. I mean, sorry, not Golden State, but excuse me, but uh, the Lakers overtaking them. I don't see it. With LeBron, no, I don't see Not even with LeBron. LeBron is my favorite player. Uh but again, I don't see him doing it this year. Like again, like I, I mean, I see them barely getting in. And in terms of the two guard, the, the two guards, you know, Rondo and Lonzo, you know, I think, I think at one point, I mean, you're gonna have to see who truly fits the system. But I think you might need both of them for now, just to kind of see what they both can do. Really see what your team looks like with both of them. You're gonna, you know, it's a long season, you know, and and basically you're playing. And this is and this is my theory about the NBA. The NBA is, and this is more so even than the playoffs. I mean, in the, in the NFL, uh, this is the this is the training ground for your playoffs. Uh, you know, depending on how good you play, you're gonna be playing these exact same teams in the playoffs. You're playing them six times out of the year, four to six times a year, and you're pretty much learning these teams in and out. And I think that the team that's gonna eventually, you know, be able to beat the Warriors, which is not gonna be the Lakers just yet, they're gonna have to come from the Western Conference, but it. it Definitely won't be the Lakers this year, y'all. It's definitely not going to be them. And uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about was last night's game. It was a big-time game. And um, the Bucks were able to get in that in the Warriors' ass like last night. Surprised me. 134-111 was the final score. Now, the Bucks move on to 9-2. The Warriors move on to 10-2. And the Bucks played so dominant that game. Let's let's talk about the stats, and I'll talk about how it looked to me. Uh, Giannis, of course, he gets twenty four points, nine rebounds, 
Eric Bledsoe had 26.6 assists, and also Malcolm Brogdon also had 20 points. But this team looked to be fired, fired up, looked to be energized, and just, you know, now, now anybody who's, who's listening to me, answer this question for me. Hit me up on Facebook. Hit me up wherever you, some of you guys got my number. Answer this question for me. How has Durant been playing overall this year? I haven't been able to catch all the games. I caught this game, and he got 17 points, right? And I'm wondering, what what is him and what is he what has he been averaging this year? Does is he had like a a thirty point game yet, a high twenty point game yet? Because I've been seeing a couple games where he's been getting like fifteen points, seventeen points, fourteen points. And I'm trying to figure out what that's all about. Uh, Clay Thompson had twenty four points, and uh, Steph left in the in the third quarter with a uh, adductor sprain in the left leg. I don't even know what that is, but. He will be out for Saturday's game. It was significant enough for him to get an MRI, and he's looking. He looked like he might miss some time. Um, but what I feel the big takeaways I got from that game was the Bucks. They're ready to play. I think they're in prime uh, place to take over the Eastern Conference. Uh, again, that Gordon Hayward hasn't Gordon Hayward experiment in Boston hasn't really played itself out yet. Uh the the age on Boston is starting to show itself up a little bit. Uh Kyrie isn't as dominant as he's been in the past few years. This is the Bucks opportunity and we see how they can match up again. And this is why I say uh but again with that being said is I really think the team that's gonna beat I mean it was a good win. Don't get me wrong. But can they do it for seven games in the finals? I don't know. And I really think that the team that's going to beat the Warriors would have to come from the Western Conference. A team that's really familiar with them, has a really uh, keen, almost night, you know, night by night, you know, you know, tempo about these guys or, you know, uh, a playbook for these guys. You know, you have to play, you'll be, you'll be playing against these, you know, the Western Conference teams will be playing each other so much. And I think the winner, I mean, the, you know, the team that eventually beats, knocks them off, is going to know so much about them. It's going to be secondhand, you know, just like they would have know that team like the back of their hand. And it's going to be a Western Conference team. Uh, you know, I like the win. Don't get me wrong. It's a good win. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a win that establishes the Bucks in their conference, I believe. But again, I don't think it puts them on the map just yet. They're going to have to do a lot more than that. All right, y'all. So we're going to wrap this up. Uh, tomorrow we'll be talking about some boxing. We're going to have some, uh, cruiserweight action. And I'll also be talking about some heavyweight title, uh, action. We're going to have a big time heavyweight championship fight. Uh, of course, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder next month. Uh, we're also, like I said, going to be having cruiserweight action. Uh, Alexander Usyk will be in the ring again. I will be talking about your boy. Uh, we also will be going over some college football as well. Top 25 action. Also, we're going over the college football playoffs, rankings, as well as I told you about those standings. We're getting into the near the end of that season. Kyle, uh, sorry, conference championships are coming up. We'll be talking about those standings. And uh, whatever news pops up, of course, we'll be on that too. And also, you know, just because I haven't, I didn't go over scores tonight, I will go over tomorrow night's NBA scores and I'll also have the standings for you guys too. So come back tomorrow night, y'all. You know what it is. Much love. Good night.